Agents Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Follow a Boss. Follow a Boss is the real estate CRM that turns every agent into a top performer. Follow a Boss is packed with features, but it's intuitive and easy to use. So agents love working with it and it integrates with everything. Use multiple lead sources. Guess what? Follow a Boss keeps them all organized. Want to try new marketing channels? Switch website providers? Plug them right into Follow a Boss. Visit followupboss.com forward slash lab code to see how Follow a Boss helps you close more deals. That's followupboss.com forward slash lab code. Welcome back to the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. And I'm not going to lie to you, folks. Uh, when we do these on Zoom where we can see each other, and I expected someone who's ugly. And let me explain why I expected somebody who's ugly, because this gentleman I've never met before, other than seeing his picture, of course. And uh, But his company is called Ugly Mug Marketing, which I think is insanely appropriate for the vast majority of us humans, uh, because most of us don't fall in the realm of beautiful, uh, myself included, uh, especially being as follically challenged as I am and and fair skin and all that good stuff. So I think we're going to be in for a treat today with this gentleman who is the founder and CEO of Ugly Ugly Mug Marketing. He uh, is a marketer and, and has helped thousands of entrepreneurs and businesses across over 100 industries. Uh, which I actually love, Wayne, because usually I get to talk to real estate, very specific guests. And I actually think it's more valuable to us to have somebody who's got a more diverse business, more diverse background, because that's just valuable. And we always want to differentiate, as you know, in marketing. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Wayne Mullins, founder of Ugly Mug Marketing. Thank you so much, Jeff. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And uh, if there's one thing I love talking about, that is marketing. So I'm excited for this. Awesome, man. So I'm going to assume you're not a real estate guy that our audience probably never heard of you. So why don't you tell them about who you are, where you come from, and how you kind of came up in this business? Sure, absolutely. So my background is actually in sales. Back when I was a junior or senior in college, for whatever reason, my parents decided to give me some CDs by this gentleman of the name Zig Ziglar. So anybody who studied selling is probably familiar with the name Zig Ziglar. And Zig Ziglar did a phenomenal job of selling me on the importance of going into the profession of selling. So I didn't know what I wanted to do other than sales. So got out of school, got a sales job. And to be honest with you, Jeff, I was, I was terrible. I, I was absolutely horrible. And my, my paycheck reflected that. But I was determined because Zig said I could do it. I was determined to learn sales. And so over the course of about a three-year period, I studied and studied and practiced and practiced. And I actually got good at this thing called selling. And so as luck would have it, I uh, started, my, my pay increased, but then I started looking at the amount of money that I was making for this company that I was working for. And I started thinking, hmm, you know, I, I see the effort I'm putting in. I see how much they're getting. I see how much I'm getting. I'm wondering if I actually left and did something on my own, would I make more? Could I make more? Well, I did just a really quick you know, kind of survey of my skills and abilities. So other than selling, the only other skill I had that was marketable was lawn and landscape. So much to the dismay of friends and family, 
I left this great corporate selling job, lots of benefits, very nice pay, and started from scratch, lawn and landscape. So fast forward over a three-year period, I took that company from startup to sold it. Um, I sold the company. I was 26 years old. Um, and over the course of that three-year window, I had a lot of the clients of our lawn and landscape company actually come to me and ask, how are you growing? How are you scaling the company so quickly? And so it was out of those conversations that ultimately ugly mug marketing as we have it today is born. I love it. I love it. And so what was the uh, time frame on that? Yep. So I was in sales for about three years um, prior to launching my own lawn and landscape company. I owned that company for three years before I sold it. And Ugly Mug Marketing is now, we're in our 12th year. What were the years? Like what, what, uh, what does that lead us back to? Yeah. So that would be um, graduated in 2001 and was in sales during that period. So three-year window after that, and then three lawn years. and landscape company. Yep. Correct. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So uh, and and that was so. Then the reason I asked that question is because I wanted to think of where that was in the time span. So you're thinking mid 2000s, which for us in the real estate world was like the wild wild west, and then the market crashed. Going back to lawn and landscape. So then, what was it that allowed you to scale so fast? And my guess is going to be some form of marketing. But tell us about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, over the course of that three year period, took the company literally from startup to. We were one of the largest one or two in our entire region at the time. Um, I sold that company and as luck would have it, probably about two years ago, I ran into the gentleman I sold it to. He still has the company to this day, still has a lot of the same accounts that we had. But you're right. The, the answer is marketing. I was very, very uh, proactive about marketing, particularly in an industry and a time when others in our field were not active or proactive with their marketing. Yeah. Well, and I would say I, still to this day, real estate is one of the rare industries that, in my opinion, is way out ahead of most industries when it comes to innovation and using the tools and social media and video. And even today, I mean, some of my neighbors are in one of my neighbors owns a landscaping company and we talk all the time and he says, I see your stuff, but I just there's no way I could do that. And I'm like, dude, it would be so easy. Just go out and set up a time lapse of every project and there's your marketing, you know, and and um, but they don't think like that. And I say that because I'm not sure that most realtors or real estate professionals even realize how different our industry is than most industries. There's, and I tell my friends in car sales and insurance and financial planning, construction, I'm like, you guys have such an opportunity to differentiate and stand out. Whereas in real estate, it's a hell of a lot harder. That's where I'm going to grill you here in a little bit. But what's your opinion just because you work with hundreds of industries. So like, what do you see in that regard? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So the key to all great marketing is standing out from the crowded marketplace. And, and as you said, real estate does create a bit of a challenge in that. And because, you know, one, sheer numbers. Two is that people tend to play follow the leader. So in other words, what, what trickles down from, quote unquote, the big guys from the top, wherever it may be, um, it gets embraced and picked up and it trickles down. And so before long, everyone's doing what everyone else is doing. And you know, if you blend in, you die, right? If you blend in, your business dies. And so that is the key. The key is standing out. The question becomes ultimately, how do you stand out? How do you make a ripple in the pond? I love that. So let me ask you first, how did you do that in lawn and landscape? 
Yeah. So in, in lawn and landscape, uh, and I realized, and I realized big, the landscape of our world was different in mid two thousands. But I'm just curious. Yeah. So so the the key is again to stand out, to look at what everyone else is doing, and then figure out what could I do that's different from them. It doesn't even have to be better. It has to be different. Um, so one important point is this: if we always try to one up to do something a little bit better than our competitors do. It's a never-ending battle, right? We're, we don't ever gain any traction because we edge them out a little bit, and then they say, "Oh, well, they're they're a little bit better, so now we're going to push up." So it's this this constant battle. Where you win the game is you go a completely different direction. So in the lawn and landscape business, um, we started out we were mostly residential, but I knew that to grow the business, to be able to sell the business at some point, we had to have big commercial accounts with big contracts attached to it. So. The way that that typically works in the lawn and landscape business is you go knock on doors, you meet the decision makers, and you keep coming back and you know checking in and hope that one day they give you the chance to bid on the project. The way we did it is once a week, we would go down to a local donuts shop and we would buy dozens of boxes of donuts. Then we had these labels printed that were our logo and phone number, and they fit on the top of the box. It covered the entire top of the donut box. And so what we would do is we would then go around to all the accounts that we wanted, and we would not go in and ask for the decision maker. Instead, we would just go in and begin talking to whoever was there. So for example, if we go into a restaurant, we would go through the back kitchen door during the morning before the lunch rush, and we would just go and start talking to the people prepping the food, the people you know cleaning, the people getting everything ready. We would bring them donuts. It wasn't about, hey, you know, let us know who to talk to, who can we talk to? It was none of that. So what happened over time was this, we would keep showing up. We would show up. The goal was once a month, all these places, bring them donuts. And what inevitably happened was at some point, the decision maker comes in and complains to somebody about the way the lawn or the landscape looks. They say, you know, where's the lawn guy? The grass is up to our knees. What's going on? Have y'all seen them? And then what happens is we've now created an army. We've created a team of evangelists within that organization who then says, no, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, there's, there's this company that comes by you know, here's their card, you should check them out. That is how we won the battle in the commercial space. And again, one important point or distinction there, it wasn't a short-term game. We were playing the long-term game because we wanted to win. I love that, man. And and that's that. So that's innovative today, let alone 15 years ago, right? And the point of me saying that and me asking you that question, because Stick with me here, audience. Uh, you know how my brain works. I'm a marketing guy. You set the table, right? Differentiation. And that's where, and, and again, so you still to this day, I bet you if I go and interview 50 lawn and landscape companies, their marketing is yard signs, uh, might be flyers, it might be door knocking, it might be talking to the neighbors. It's the same crap that everybody's been doing forever, which is fine. It's no different than real estate, just like door knocking on in our industry and calling expireds and that sort of thing. But if you don't really love doing that stuff and you want to attract business, which is not a word that we've used yet, that's how you do it. And I'm excited to kind of pick your brain on ideas because this, to me, that says a lot about you. You were doing this in two, 2004, 2005, 2006, seven, when that's just off the charts. That's just next level. Simple as all hell. Simple as all get out, yep. but brilliant, right? 
And it's like a coming from contribution mindset. I'm just going to come. I'm just going to drop off free stuff. Donuts, not going to sell them anything. Here you go. Just make friends with them, right? And then before you know it, it came back probably tenfold, right? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. And here's the thing. We never had to actually sell because we had a team now inside these organizations selling us. So that was it. We, we never even had to push. We never had to plead. We never had to beg. They did it for us. But one thing that you just mentioned, Jeff, and, and it ties into the other thing that I think we did back then and we still, quote unquote, preach today is this. When most people think of marketing, they think of advertising. They confuse those two things. Those two things are not one in the same. Advertising is merely a piece or component of your marketing. All right. So when you said the word just a second ago, you said attracting. That is the advertising piece or component of marketing. But yet we in our minds, we often think of marketing and advertising as one in the same. They are not. Advertising is the attraction side. But marketing, the way we define marketing is this. Marketing is your ability to both attract and to keep a customer. Attract and to keep a customer. So the other thing that we were doing way back then, we still this, do this today. So way back then when, when I had a lawn and landscape company, we believed in celebrating people's birthdays. We believed in sending them welcome gifts. We believed in sending them anniversary gifts for cutting their grass. You know, happy anniversary. It's been one year since you, you know, allowed us to start taking care of your lawn. And so again, when we think of the attracting and keeping side, a good litmus test for anyone listening is this, what percentage of your marketing budget is allocated to attracting? And then what percent is allocated to keeping customers or clients? Attraction versus retention. Yep. And, and the thing is, is those are two. So what you just mentioned, like, um, birthdays, anniversaries, like that's old hat in our industry, right? Like if you're not doing that, you need to go look in the mirror and figure out if you really belong in this industry or maybe you're just have a connection, right? That's the only other way. If you're not doing birthdays and anniversaries, home anniversaries, and even, even one up uh, wedding anniversaries to your clients or kids' birthdays, like that's next level. Like those are the things you should be doing. Then you need to check, you need to go check the mirror in my opinion. Uh, so let's let's dig a little bit deeper now that you brought it up. The distinction, I think everybody understands the distinction, but I'm going to let you you say it because I think you will articulate it better than I could uh, between attraction and retention. And then let's talk about some examples as it relates to real estate that you probably think this is coming from a guy who's in marketing, not in real estate, how you think a realtor can differentiate themselves versus probably what everybody else is doing. So start with the distinction between the two. Yeah. So, so the distinction between the two is this, I've got to step backwards in order to answer that question. And what I want to do is give an analogy or give an example for people to think through. So every single time someone makes a buying decision, there are certain stages that the buyer goes through. And we call this a natural progression. Okay. So it naturally happens. It doesn't matter if somebody's buying a house. It doesn't matter if they're buying a car or if they're buying a cup of coffee, they go through these stages. And the stages are simply this. If you think of an old analog clock sitting up on the wall, so it's got the hour hand, the minute hand, the second hand, right? So the 12 o'clock position on the clock, we have out there in the world, what we would call strangers. Those are everybody in the marketplace that we believe may be a good fit for us. 
we believe they could use our services. Okay, so that's at the 12 o'clock. At the three o'clock spot, we have what we call friends. Okay, so friends, the difference between a stranger and a friend is that friends now know about us, right? They know our name, they know our organization name, and they like us a little bit. They don't hate us, right? So they're friendly with us. Then down at the six o'clock spot, we have customers, clients. These are people who have now taken out the wallet, they've signed the contract, right? They're clients of ours. Okay, so the difference between a friend and a client, a customer, is that there's trust. There has to be trust before the pin comes out and there's signatures on the paper. Now, that is all on the attraction side. When we think of advertising, what we're thinking about is how do we get our message to the people out there we believe would be a good fit for us, all the strangers out there? How do we convince them to know about us, to like us, and then to trust us enough that they pick up the phone and call? Right. So that's on the attraction side. And that's where most people leave off. That's where most people end. But over at the nine o'clock spot on your clock, there's what we would call evangelists. These are the people out there who love you, who love the service that you provided so much that they are then willing to go out and tell their friends and their family about you. And the beauty of this is that what happens is you now get to bypass all of the strangers. Right. So when evangelists go out and tell their friends and colleagues, there's implied trust, there's implied liking, and you didn't have to go out and dig for them. You didn't have to go out and hope that your message sticks with the right person. And so that's when we say, you know, when you look at, you analyze your quote unquote marketing budget, what percent are you spending on turning your clientele into evangelists for you? What percentage of that budget is going there? That, does that give the framework? Did I explain that yeah, well? hundred percent. I like the word evangelist too, because we use raving fans a lot. And I think that's a little too, too overused. I'm just made a note to start using evangelist because yeah, that's the, that's the reality of it. That's, and that's the mindset shift that every salesperson, whether you're in real estate or mortgage or title or insurance or financial, it doesn't matter is that at the end of the day, unless you like constantly chasing, you need to build an army of evangelists. And that's when the game changes and you focus on content creation, essentially, and the business just, your phone rings, right? Yeah. So, so you asked the question originally, Jeff, like, what are the distinctions between the two? So when we think attracting, it's all the traditional things you, you think of. So whether that's running radio, whether that's billboards, whether that's the you know, yard signs, whether that's newsletters, all those traditional things that you are doing to, that hopefully will result in people going through that side of the natural progression. The question becomes, how do you turn somebody from a normal client into an evangelist for you? And you have to begin by understanding what should they, what do they reasonably expect from your services, from the transaction that takes place? What are their reasonable expectations? And until you can clearly articulate what those reasonable expectations are, you cannot create evangelists. Because in order to create evangelists, we have to go beyond just them liking you. They have to love you. And then there's one other component is we have to also give them tools that help them spread our message out there to their friends, to the family, to the colleagues. So step one is identifying what do they expect? So when someone calls you, what are their expectations? Do they expect to be called back within two hours, four hours, two days, two weeks? What do they expect? When you do a showing, what do they expect? They expect you to drop everything you're doing and show them today. Do they expect it tomorrow? What are their expectations for the way you serve their client, your clients? There's not a right or wrong. Now, the next question is, how do you engineer ways that you can exceed those expectations? 
It's really that simple. What are the things that you can do that exceed those expectations? So you bring someone out and you're going to, you know, you're looking at five or six different homes on a, on a weekend, right? You're showing a prospective client. So what do they expect? They expect to go through and see all the houses to talk about them, talk them over. Yes, no. What if, you know, on Monday or Tuesday in the mail, they actually got, you know, printouts of all the properties. So here's the ones we looked at this weekend. Here's what, from my recollection, here's what you liked about each one with just some handwritten notes. So they get this physical thing in the mail. Or what if they get in the mail early that next week, a handwritten note? Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with me. I really enjoyed showing you around. Um, what I would say is that it's often the fundamentals. So the old school fundamental things, handwritten thank you notes, physical things that arrive in the mail, that in today's digital world where everyone's quote unquote connected, it's the old fundamental things that calls you and enable you to stand out from all your competitors. Interesting. So let's talk about that because I asked, you know, I said, let's talk about some examples. And so I'd like to ask you of a couple. One is the quote unquote old school. One is the quote unquote new school of the digital world. So if I'm a client, I'm a real estate agent and I say, you know, Wayne, I want to hire you guys. Um, I want to have a good little combination of both. What do you recommend I do? Yep. So again, Jeff, we would start with that question. What do your clients expect? We would get okay. you to answer that question. Okay. We would then look for very specific ways that we could engineer remarkable experiences into okay. that. You know, we live in a world today where it's an experiential economy, right? People love experiences. So we would begin asking the questions, how can we create it so that when someone goes to a showing, like, you know, people show up at the showing, how can we create an experience around that? How can we make it a shareable event? How can we make it a memorable event? Um, we would look for all those various ways to, again, exceed expectations. And it's in the little things. It doesn't have to be the big things. It could be as simple as, you know, you, you close on a house and the next week you send balloons and flowers, not to them at their house, but to them at their office. Because then at the office, what happens is everyone goes and asks, what, what are the balloons and flowers for, mm -hmm. right? You send it to their house, you're making a mistake. Yeah, it's great, warm, fuzzy feelings, but the odds of other people asking about it are much, much smaller, much right. slimmer chance, right? Yeah, love it, love it. Give me another example. That's a good one. What's another one? Give me another one. Yeah, another example, I'm gonna I'm detour back over to the attraction side, mm -hmm. you know, so right now, you know, social media, building out your own audience on all the various social channels, that's, that's a thing, that's the thing, you know, people devote a lot of time and attention to quote unquote, building a following. And here's the thing, Jeff, most people do not do social media they do digital media. The difference between the two is this. Digital media says, I'm going to show up with a megaphone. I'm going to broadcast my message out to the world and hope that it hits the right people and hope that you know, it resonates with them. Social media says, it's not a megaphone. It's a telephone. It's about a conversation. Ignore the platform, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, email, it doesn't matter. Again, it's about interaction. It's about dialogue. Um, the other mistake I think people make is they assume that they're going to show up to this megaphone called Facebook or Instagram, whatever it may be, and they believe that everything's going to center around their platform. In other words, I'm going to show up, I'm going to post on my page, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Instead, we need to shift that. We need to begin thinking, how can I show up in the lives of the people that are in my audience? 
In other words, can I show up and congratulate someone whose grandson hit a home run in the in the T-ball little league tournament? Can I show up on their page and say happy anniversary to you or happy anniversary to your parents? Right. So it's again, it's about taking what we would normally think of as a broadcast message and instead turning into a dialogue and showing up not just on our page, but showing up on their pages as well. So I, I think I know what you mean by that, but go a little bit deeper on that. Um, explain what you mean, because I have not heard it explained that way. I like that digital versus social. Uh, and so you're basically saying you need to be very intentional by getting one to one with the audience. Explain how you would advise somebody or give an example of a way you would advise somebody to do that. And let's use Absolutely. let's use Facebook or Instagram because they're kind of similar platforms and probably the most known. Yeah, yeah. Let's use Facebook. So Facebook says the, the analogy is this: you go and you put you have a new listing. So you go post this new listing on your on your page, and maybe it's a really hot property, right? It's one that you're excited about. It's one that you know is going to get a lot of traction, a lot of shares because it's so unique. So you post it, and then you get all these comments. Wow, looks amazing, exciting, you know, all these various comments. And what do most people do when all that happens? The answer is, I can tell you, it's nothing, right? they wait on their phone to ring or they wait on somebody to reach out and connect with them. Instead, every time somebody comments, it doesn't matter if they say love it, it doesn't matter if they say what a cool property, it doesn't matter if they tag a friend, you need to be in there responding to that. Thank you so much, glad you like it, would love to show it, whatever the, the thing is. Again, it's a dialogue. It's not a show up and throw up, right? Which is the way we approach it, it's a dialogue. So again, when you post that new listing on Facebook, engage in the dialogue that's taking place down below engage with those people and and would you suggest so when you say engage with them you should be thoughtful like don't respond with emojis unless that's just what you're i guess you're going to get what you put into it right and so do you suggest that when you talk about engaging on your comments, which by the way, folks, that's like one-on-one stuff. If you're not doing that, you're literally just letting, you're wasting your time because the post now isn't serving you. It's, it's digital. It's just a billboard, right? Um, and so would you suggest that when they engage, A, be thoughtful to the response, B, try to drive an additional response again, ask a question, that sort of thing? Uh, that's absolutely right, Jeff. So again, don't think of it as, you know, don't respond to every single one, thanks, glad you enjoy it, whatever. Don't make it canned, number one. Number two is don't immediately go into a sales pitch, right? Somebody says, love the property or it looks really amazing. Don't put, you know, DM me so I can show you, right? Don't do that. Instead, engage in the dialogue like you just said. So somebody says, I love this property, right under there, what about it do you love? You know, what stands out to you? What makes it unique to you? Again, engage in a dialogue, just like you were sitting down with a friend over a cup of coffee. Have a conversation. Stop thinking of it as it's here just for me to, to you know, spread my message to the world. It's not. It's a platform for dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I love it. What would you say to someone, while we're still on this subject, before I move on to something else, uh, what would you say to someone who says, man, I've been doing that, but I'm not getting anybody to reply back. I just feel like I should give up. What would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, they may not like my answer, but the answer is consistency creates miracles. Consistency creates miracles. So don't tell me you've been doing it and you've been doing it now for a month or for six weeks and no one's responding back, right? What that tells me is that over the last three years, 
you made a commitment the last six weeks to actually do this, right? And be engaged. And now because you've tried for four weeks or six weeks, no one's responding. And so you're going to quit. It takes consistency. People have to know that you're authentic. They have to know that you care. They have to know that it's about more than just a transaction. It's about more than just a sale. So don't assume that just because you've been doing, you know, you've quote unquote been on Facebook for two years and now all of a sudden you're going to change that magically your audience is going to know that you're quote unquote a different person, right? That you're going to treat this differently. It's going to take time. But again, just like with anything, like any area of our lives, we know that the things that we're the most consistent in are the areas that we see the most improvement in. So you've got to stick with it. You've got to keep plugging along. And the, the counter, a more specific thing that I would say is this. If you have neglected your Facebook, in other words, you've been showing up and throwing up now for a, a length of time, right? Your audience is now trained that you're not going to respond. So the way that you begin flipping that switch is you begin showing up on their pages. You begin showing up in their feeds by commenting on their things, saying, again, like I mentioned earlier, congrats on whatever it may be. Again, showing that you're engaging in dialogue where it takes place. Yeah, I love that. Uh, almost like, and you hear coaches say that, like you should spend 20 minutes a day, 20 likes, 20 comments, 20 shares, like, but be intentional. Don't just go right down your feed and do it for the first 20. Be intentional to your target audience. Like, is there a, is there a client that you're really trying to, to win over? Well, that's the way to do it by giving them love without being in their face saying, use me, use me, use me, buy what I'm selling, buy what I'm selling, buy what I'm selling. You're just making them feel good. Cause correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne, but there's probably something psychological about uh, the recipient, the poster, when somebody comments like a thoughtful response not likes, that doesn't really mean much anymore because it's too easy to do. It takes a minute to write something. It takes a minute to share my post. That's meaningful. And so thinking in reverse, those are the things that you should be doing for the people that you're targeting. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it, the same consistency applies. If that person sees you doing it all the time on their content, don't does, does it eventually just like embed in there and it's like you're just in their brain and now the odds of you winning them over as a client is probably going to increase tenfold. Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to the natural progression. So you've now moved from, you know, you were a stranger to them to now you're becoming a friend. So they, they know you because you're showing up. They're starting to like you because you're showing up in meaningful ways to them. And so then the next step is look for those opportunities to build trust, right? Position yourself as the authority, as the one when they need to buy, when they need to sell, that they're going to call. Yeah, that's it's so powerful too, because when you think about it, you know, in the old world, I'd have to go to a networking event. I maybe could touch five people that would have any kind of meaning. Um, but nowadays we can do it much faster, much larger scale, and potentially, you know, it's 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 almost mind blowing when you think about it. So I want to I want to flip the script a little bit and say, okay, we're talking about what you suggest works. What do you see a lot of that doesn't work, and that you might be talking to a large number of people that they need to stop doing this? Give me some examples. Yeah. So number one is is following the leader. You've got to stop Imagine copying that. what everybody what everybody else is doing. If everyone else is doing it you're not going to stand out by copying what they're doing. Even if you do it twice as good as they do it, you're still not going to stand out because everyone else is doing it. So look for the opportunities to do the polar opposite 
of what everybody else is doing. So if you're sending out, uh, you know, plain vanilla, quote unquote, uh, newsletters, right? Stop doing it. If your newsletter can't be distinguished from anybody else's real estate newsletter that you're sending out, stop doing it. There's no point in spending the time, energy, and effort doing that if it's not going to stand out. Now, I know that's controversial and I know that's like, it's one of the things that we're supposed to do. But what if instead of, you know, mailing out 500 or 1,000, whatever's on your list, digital newsletters, what if instead you said, okay, I'm going to call through this list. I'm going to pick out the top 100 people that I would absolutely love to work with. Instead of sending this via email, I'm going to print this sucker out. I'm going to fold it. I'm going to put a little sticky note on there that says, I really thought you might enjoy seeing some of these properties and stick it in the mail and mail it to them, right? So again, it's about standing out. It's about doing things that are different. So that would be one. Again, Facebook showing up and throwing up is another huge one that if you're not getting traction, if it's not working, stop doing it. Um, the other, I think that we, it, it's in the same vein, is that all too often we confuse other people's actions with the assets that they're actually building. So we see them doing these things and we think, oh, if I go do that thing too, I'm gonna succeed. But what we lose sight of is what is the actual asset that they're building? So if someone's doing email newsletters really well, we don't just run out and go copy, I'm gonna do email newsletters. Instead we say, how do I leverage this? How do I turn this newsletter into an asset? How do I build this audience into a true asset for me. And so what that does is it shifts our mindset. It shifts it from, I'm going to go do these things because I need to be doing something, right? I need to be quote unquote marketing myself. And it shifts our mindset to, I'm going to build some assets that are going to serve me in the future. What assets do I want in place? And then what steps do I need to take to start building those assets out? Yeah. Wow. I love that, man. I mean, that's, uh, and, and I think it's interesting that you that you said the same thing multiple times to me says, pay attention to what I'm saying. It's almost like the old, uh, uh, you know, you, you see this marketing sometimes you're not Gary V right. Which essentially is what a lot of people, which is not a bad person to try to emulate. Right. I mean, he's doing it right, but at the same token, you're not Gary V. So take what you like build that into your brand, your message, your marketing, and make it your own. Would you agree with that kind of mindset when it comes to, you say, copying, emulating? Because here's the thing, and that, that was part one. The thing is, is a lot of people will tell us, and I know you know this, is that, well, okay, the reason why I copy is because I'm not very creative. I can't think of my own stuff. Um, and so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. What I would say though, is lean into what makes you different. Stop again. I'm saying the same thing again, but stop copycatting, trying to be quote unquote, Gary V. Gary V is great on video. Gary V is great at blunt to the point, New York aggressive guy. I, you or I may be terrible at that. And yet we have so many people out there and we're using him as the example who go out and try to copy what Gary does yeah. because Gary's successful at it. Right? What if instead you're a great writer or what if instead you're really great at one-on-one -on -one with people like lean into your strengths, not copying just because you see someone who has done this thing ex exceptionally well. And the other thing though is to keep in mind, Gary V is brilliant at not video, not books, not all of these things. Gary V is brilliant 
at building an audience. That's what he's brilliant at. So again, we, we can't confuse the action and the asset he's building. Gary Vee builds audiences so that when he does sell a book, he sells a million copies or whatever the numbers are, right? So the question is what assets do you wanna build? What assets do you need to build to, to grow your audience? Love that, man. It's almost, it goes back to the, the, uh, the question that we've asked many times is what's more important, a killer product or a big audience? And I think a lot of companies and people focus so much on the product and so much, they exhaust so many resources and maybe even money into it. And then they have no one to sell it to. Whereas if you actually focus on the audience, essentially you can sell ice to an Eskimo because now you've got the people and you can really sell anything, right? I love it. Okay. So I got a question. And I read this in your, in your one sheeter, which talked about, you know, social media marketing that delivers more than like shares comments. What does that mean? Yeah. So Jeff, it means one, we have to embrace the mindset of, again, we're not going to just show up and treat it as digital broadcasting our message. We're going to treat it as engagement. We're going to treat it as dialogue. That's step one. We have to approach from that mentality. Number two is if we're going to get more than like shares and comments, we have to understand that that Facebook is deceptive in this little blue button they've created. So for anyone who's got a quote unquote business page or, you know, a professional page, there's this little blue button that shows up on your post that says boost post. Mm -hmm. Facebook is brilliant with that button because they know this. When you click that button, they're going to deliver like shares, comments, or views on a video. And all of those things are vanity metrics. None of those things put money in your pocket. All of those things make you feel good about the money you just gave Facebook. Hmm. And so we need to shorten the, the gap between the money we invest in something and when that money comes back into our pocket. And the boost post button does not do that thing. So if you want to get good at more than just like shares and comments, you have to understand that Facebook specifically has this entire thing called ads manager. And inside of ads manager, there are 12, 13 different campaign objectives. Facebook knows a lot about their users. You can target people in phenomenal ways on Facebook using this thing called ads manager. And it's not about like shares and comments. And anytime we have people who come to us, that's one of the first things they, they pull up when we're talking about Facebook, they say, well, look how good this one did. You know, I got 27 likes and 14 shares or whatever it may be. But the question becomes, how much did you get paid for those likes? How much did you get paid for those shares? The answer is zero, right? Unless you can trace that back somehow to someone who picked up the phone and called. So again, we want to always keep in mind what I'm doing here on Facebook, how in the process, how is that going to call somebody to pick up the phone and call? Like, what are the steps? And if we think back to the natural progression, we often put too much responsibility on one campaign. We believe that one campaign is going to take somebody from a stranger to picking up the phone and calling us to go, you know, come list the house or to come show us a house, whatever it may be. And so we put too much responsibility on one ad. When you think strategically about your digital marketing, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the channel may be, you have to think sequentially. Step one is, what do I need to put out to the world so that they know I'm here, so that they know I exist, and so that they like what I'm saying, right? Again, if you're trying to attract everyone, you're going to lose. You have to be clear about who you're going after, what audience 
you can serve best. And so step one is you've got to reach out to them, make them know you're there. But then second, what's the next ad that needs to go to that that group of people that shows them that you're likable, that they can trust you, et cetera. So again, we're working through the natural progression. We're working through knowing, liking, and trusting. Amen. I love that. I love that. So let me, uh, let me ask you one very important question. I'm a real estate professional of some sort, either an individual agent, a broker, team lead, right? One of the three. Why would I want to hire an agency? Why would I hire you? That's a great question. Because two, two, two reasons for that. Number one is we tend to believe that our business is different. So in other words, as a realtor, broker, whatever it may be, we believe that somehow we are different, right? We are different than others. Mm -hmm. Like our business is different. And so that mentality causes us to approach all marketing and advertising from a very skewed perspective. Because what we believe to be true, so for example, if I were to come to you and say, hey, look, Jeff, um, I know you're, you're in real estate, but what we just did with this industrial client over here would work really well for you. Your natural tendency is to say what? But I'm in real estate. I have nothing to do with selling industrial gaskets to people around the world. Right. And so when we are skewed, when we're locked into this, this worldview of real estate only, we miss out on what's taking place in the world all around us that could work if we brought it over to what we do, right? We're in the same pond. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the same pond, the ideas that you get are going to come from various spots in this pond. What I'm telling you to do, when you bring somebody in from the outside, you're able to get a view from all the ponds, right? From far above of what's working across lots of industries. So that that's number one. The other would be, that we're only good at certain things, right? We all have natural gifts and abilities. And for most of us, we don't have either the bandwidth, right? Capacity-wise, mm -hmm. or we're not skilled in that area, marketing as an example. And so that would be another reason why it would be important to bring an outsider in to help you see things from completely different perspectives. I love it. I love it. In other words, uh, well, so for one, there is some value in uh, working with a company who doesn't just focus on real estate. One could argue both ways, but I see your point and I like it. And I do believe, and as a realtor, as somebody who's listening to this, most of them know I'm not in real estate, actually. Uh, I'm not a real estate agent, a realtor, is that differentiation is the key. And so if you're hiring that same firm or marketing company who focuses on real estate, there's only so many strategies that most of them use. In other words, you're probably going to end up using something very similar to somebody else. Whereas if you, if you touch somebody who has a much larger, like you said, bandwidth, it's going to open the door to endless possibilities. And that's the mindset that one should have. I love that, man. So with, with that said, uh, how does one find you? So if I want to go stalk you and I want to go see some examples of what you do, I want to learn more about you. Where do I do that? Yeah, absolutely. The The best place is just go to our website, uglymugmarketing.com. From there, there's links to all our social channels. My email address is there. Phone numbers are there. You know, one, one thing I would, I would mention there is, you know, when we look around, again, it's important to look around what other people are doing, but it's also very important to try to figure out what are they building in the process? In other words, what's behind this action that I see? 
all too often we take what we see at face value, right? So they're posting three times a week on Facebook. So I need to post three times a week on Facebook. Instead, we have to, we have to peel back the layer. What's the motive? What's the reason behind that? And if there's not a reason or a motive behind that, then you and they are just playing copy or follow the leader, mm -hmm. right? They're following somebody else. And so you're never going to stand out copying and following somebody else. Yeah, man, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's powerful. I love it, man. So uglymugmarketing.com. I don't think I have to spell that. We're all really good at spelling ugly because uh, like I said, most of us are not beautiful necessarily. Uh, Wayne, you're, you're, you've, you've, you've undersold yourself. I mean, you know, actually you remind me, you and I like, you know, brothers from another mother, as far as our hair is concerned, uh, you and I have very similar hairdos. If you're not seeing this, Wayne has a full head, a long locks. You look like you like being a band. Did you play in a band or something? I did not. No, no? I didn't. Okay. You're just, you're just playing the, you're just playing that guy on TV. I got you playing the part. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, dude, this has been phenomenal. Uh, I know, I know for one, well, I've already stalked you, but I think others should stalk and listen for, for two reasons. One, if you don't feel like you're differentiated, you heard what Wayne said, he said it multiple times, stop copycatting. If you, if you now sit back, and I think Wayne would agree with me here, sit back, analyze your marketing. First of all, does it exist? Second of all, if it does exist, if it's all copycat, man, you're just going to be, you're going to be on that, that hamster wheel forever. You're never going to get off of it. And so analyze where you're at. And if you can't sit back and figure out how to be different, build into your budget to hire some of these guys, to hire an ugly mug marketing, because Listen, that's the only way to to stand out, and and I, I love I love this conversation, man. This has been fun. It's been great to get to know you, and and uh, let's definitely stay in touch. As uh, uh, clearly, you have a brilliant mind, in my opinion. Thank you, sir. That's very kind of you, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. So, guys, Ugly Mug Marketing, uh, check it out. This has been an awesome episode, non real estate specific. Awesome stuff. Wayne Mullins, uh, you're a good man. And uh, I, I look forward to, uh, to talking again sometime. Yeah, thanks so much, Jeff. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Agents Podcast.